What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Edison Club podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining by returning guest, Blake Bowman, who was on an episode a few months ago telling us about his Yu-Gi-Oh! story. Then we also have a new guest and the newest member to the Edison Club team, Austin Butcher, who has just made his return to Yu-Gi-Oh! after a very long period of inactivity in the game. I think the last time that he played was around 2015, so he has decided to come back and play some Edison format. He's been playing with us a couple of months now. And we're just going to kind of go over the overall experiences that we've had with the format throughout the course of this year and kind of go over how they're getting a feel for the game, some pros and cons, if there's anything that's frustrating, and just kind of just how we feel about the game right now. So uh, who would like to go first? Kind of just tell us about what's it like returning to Yu-Gi-Oh! and especially returning to an old format like Edison. Mm. Austin, you should talk because I have never played Edison or had never played Edison before this year. So that's you, man. Yeah, so I actually played in the original Edison. I, was, I wasn't I was really any good back then. Honestly, I was a very newbie player. Uh, cards were just so expensive back then, like insanely expensive compared to what it is now. I mean, I remember like Dark Arms being like 150 plus. We're lucky. Judgment Dragons, you know, they were on the same boat. Everything was just so expensive back then. But uh, I do remember the format very, very well. Um, it was actually crazy back then because some of the decks that were good back then just, I don't feel like, you know, they're nowhere near as powerful now. And they've been kind of like power crept, it feels like. Just people are more smarter and wiser with the format. But I mean, I remember like Jeff Jones with his uh, quick draw Dandy Warrior deck. You know, I thought that was so innovative back then. Doom Caliber gadgets and all that. And you know, even looking back at the original Edison format at the Edison tournament, I think there was like one Blackwing player in top 16, if I remember right. Uh, Brian yeah. Ortiz. And now you look at tournaments and it's like, if it's a 64-man tournament, there's probably 15-plus Blackwing decks. I mean, I think RBT Rulers just had that. And I think there were around 15 or 20 Blackwing decks. Yeah, what's so crazy just- about the original SJC Edison is that Jeff Jones posted his entire deck list on Pojo the day before the event. And he was like, he w- he wrote it with, um, he wrote his deck list and then also wrote in the same paragraph, I'm going to win the event tomorrow with this deck list. If he did that today, he would be lucky to make it into top 32. He would ha- that would be a good run for quick draw to make it into top 32. Dude, I didn't know that. That's some Giga Chad energy. Yes. Yeah. He literally posted it the day before the event and said, I'm going to win the event with this deck list. So, I mean, yeah, that was crazy back then. I mean, you think about some of the decks that topped in that event, and I, I know they can still top now, but from the quick draw to any deck, I mean, you, you barely see it in a really competitive atmosphere that's doing good. I mean, you look at RBT Rulers, that's a great example. Or any of the other RBTs, I don't think there's been a quick draw in the top eight. Not that I can, not for at least the ones that I've been a part of or seen, you know, watched. Uh, same thing for like Caliber Cat or any of that stuff. Uh, yeah, every I, so often you see like a Synchro Cat pop up, but it's it's very rare. Even down to like Twilight. You know, Twilight was kind of big back then, and now I don't feel like it's anywhere to be seen. Yeah. Um, for burn i don't know if many people remember that deck but they played three wave motion, wave motion cannons and i mean yep. it was pretty right then very controlly and now i don't even feel like great keepers can top i mean they're just you know they're not at full support or anything gravekeeper is like that deck it's it has some really good cards like necro valley in some ways is a really good floodgate and then in other ways it just falls short and kind of the same goes with World Tribute. Like when I sit down to play against Gravekeeper, that's kind of the only card I'm really afraid of. But it is scary when they do activate World Tribute and they hit your whole hand. Oh yeah, I mean, I can. But it definitely devastated. gets better. The format after Edison, it gets much better. So it's just it's just wild, like how how much the game has progressed with the format. And I think that would be with any format. I mean, if anybody played any format for two or three years, from where you start to where you finish. It's pretty much going to be different unless it's a tier zero format. You yeah. know, we take out Dragon Rulers and, and Teledad and formats like that. But any other format, I would even say down to like Hat. If you started where Hat was and three years later, I think we would be in just a completely different format. I think that the game would be so innovative that who knows what we would see. I mean, there would probably be some pretty broken stuff. And then we'd also look back and like, why did anybody play this? Like, it wasn't as good as it seemed. Yeah, we talk about this from time to time, and 
it always kind of has the same we kind of always have like the same method of thinking about it it's just kind of like people over time will find new ways to innovate the format new cards that were overlooked that you just pretty much didn't have time to look for because the game was still changing even back in like 2014 hat like there were new sets coming out you know there were always new cards being added to the card pool so you didn't really have a lot of time to really experiment with a lot of things whereas like when a format becomes a time wizard format and it becomes locked you know that leads into more people trying different things and just having more time to be able to see if there was anything that people missed in like the original part of that format in a sense i feel like it kind of spoils the format a bit like hat is quite beloved to me it's when i really i guess i started playing right before hat uh about six months before and it's the only format that i played for completion like beginning to end and i i would love to see hat become what edison is but at the same time i'm kind of afraid like who knows what sort of dragon turbo spice is lurking <laughs> beneath the surface of the card pool you know and yeah, that's it true. It absolutely just ruin the format. The card pool is so big, and there's a soul charge is a thing. <clears throat> there's no telling what people could come up with with the card it pool. Is, like um, is Darkness Metal Dragon, is that card limited in hat format? I believe it is. I'm pretty sure it is uh, limited. Because I'm pretty sure okay. the 2013 list just annihilated everything. I'm pretty sure it went to one then. Let's find out. But that was a pretty yeah. devastating. I remember like Stratos getting banned and just so much nonsense happening. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, because I just remembered Heratic Dragons were like a year before that, and that deck was crazy. You know, the touch up on the hat format thing, you know, I was young in the Edison format. I think I was 15, maybe. And, you know, a 15 year old, it's hard to afford any cards. And, you know, there was, there's a lot of cards that just wasn't even like attainable back then. I mean, Doom Caliber was a prize card. Um, Dragon with a prize card. There was so much you couldn't get back then, or Ford, let alone like I talked about, like yeah. um, just Dragon and stuff. So being able yeah. to play it again, Ford all the cards, it's like it's kind of awesome. And and hat format was kind of different for me, you know. By that time, I'm established, I have a good paying job, and I can afford anything in hat. So it's kind of like you look at it two different ways. Like, dang, it would be cool to go back and be able to play hat again, where everybody who didn't get to afford all the cards, it's like new nostalgia for them, I guess. And there's like every format can be like that, I guess, for the younger players who didn't get to really experience it this time. Yeah, I was I'm telling not- Frazier on our video that we did together, like way back when in Edison format, I wanted to play Lightsworn, but the deck was just completely like unobtainable. Like you had every card in that deck was $50 or more charge, recharge. I remember Lila's were expensive, Aaron was expensive, Anna's was expensive, JD was expensive. And yeah, like you said, it was just a lot of cards for a lot of people were actually unobtainable. Gold Sark had just came off of being a prize card and was still in the neighborhood of 50 to to $100 for a gold rare. It's really crazy to actually look back on a time and think that cards, you know, cost that much back then. I think the only two decks I could afford in that format, and I, you actually built them for me if you remember this, uh, was Blackwing and Gravekeeper. Yeah, I, I do getting, remember that. Uh, those were like the only two decks I could really afford, and even the Blackwing deck, there was some synchros. I just I couldn't afford it at the time. Because, you know, once again, a 15-year-old with no job, it was expensive back then. So, I mean, you just kind of played whatever you could. I remember just throwing cards in the deck to kind of fill it out. I remember that, too. Like, I remember Brianak was... I don't remember what Brianak peaked at, but it was not a cheap card by any stretch of the imagination. No, Dude. not until the, like tens came out and stuff. That's when it kind of got a little bit cheaper. So, different angle. Ancient Edison, right? Like present tense Edison back in the old 2010 may have been frustrating because you couldn't buy the cards. But for me, today's Edison is frustrating because this crap is freaking hard. It's like actually really hard. I, uh, real talk, so. <clears throat> I started playing again, I guess, I, I can't remember if it was the last week of April or the first week of May. But yeah, I went to some little tournament. And honestly, I haven't played, I've, I've shared this before on your podcast, Mike, but um, 
I actually haven't played that that much Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I just have like these long breaks in between when I've played. But when I would come into the game, I felt like I picked it up pretty quickly. And uh, some arrogance on my part. <clears throat> just historically, I felt like pretty pretty quickly I rose to the top of our playtest play group. And I was at least among the better players. And I, even when, I don't know if you remember this, when Oh, did we did we lose Blake? Was it Orcist and Thunder or something? Okay, he's back. Called. We lost you for a second. Oh no, you lost me. No, am I good yeah, now? We're we're good now. Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, I don't normally do this. I'm going to go to the bathroom. So you guys can continue. I will be right back. Okay. Like we lost you. Uh, rose to the mo- uh, top of the playlist or the yep. playground, and then I just mic dropped. Just stopped right there at the top. That was it. That's all I had to say. I'm the greatest of all time. And uh, just kidding. No, <laughs> what I was going to say was that uh, I came. So even like, I guess, I don't know what year it was. Boyd would know, but he's taking a pee or poop or something. Um, so it was Salomon Great Orcist and like Thunder Dragons or something. And I played for three weeks and went with a went with the guys to a regional. And I felt like after those three weeks, even after not playing for... I don't know, like three years or something, um, four years. Yeah, I think it was 2019, like four years. <clears throat> I felt like I was among the better players in our in our playtest group, and I had good results. So I just assumed that Edison would be something very similar. Like, I'm going to jump into this. In fact, I actually thought it would be easier because the game seems simple, right? Like the mechanics are simple, smaller card pool, there are less things to know as far as like, you know, no Omni negates, nothing like that. And honestly, I just thought I would jump in and roll people, but man, this is really hard. <laughs> like, Dude, I completely agree with you. Like, I mean, I feel like the same situation you are. Like I remember right before I quit, I was on a tear. I mean, every event I went to, I was topping or doing really, really well. And then you come to this and I just, I thought I was going to dominate and it, it's a struggle. I mean, there's days you might, you know, lose two games, and the next day, if you win two games, you're just, you know, you feel like you're doing decent, I guess, because it's rough. Yeah, but I think... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, no, it's just wishy-washy. Like, I feel like there's no consistency with it. And sometimes it's not even down to you playing bad. It's just Edison summed up, I guess, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it can be very frustrating because of the super broken one ofs that can just swing the game. Uh, It's also just kind of inconsistent in general because really all of the archetypes are lacking. Like nothing is at full power or if it is at full power, it just means it's normally bad (laughs) because it's competing with other decks that are gimped and, and like still, you know, similar power levels. So you can't, you can't search out stuff from your, in theme archetype, most decks can't. There are some exceptions, like Whirlwind in theory, um, and of course stuff like Emergency Call, etc. But for the most part, yeah, the draw really matters. Going first really, really matters. And so, some days I feel like I can play super hot, make all the right reads, know exactly what they have in their hand, and still lose. And uh, that could be. That could be tilting. Yeah, it can be very frustrating. I mean, I, I agree. There's some days where I'll play so well, I'm like, dang, you know, I've, I've mastered this. And then the next day you go and you play you, and then you, you know, I get two wins off of you, and you win like eight sets in a row. And you just trash me. And I'm just like, okay, I got a lot of learning to do. I have returned. Yeah, but, I don't know, dude. Dang, and- I didn't misplay, but, you know, it just it's the way Edison is. Sometimes people just have the answers for everything. This format can be decided by one who's going first and also just a well-timed bottomless D-Prison or anything in his recce. Yeah, that is true. But, you know, at the same time, I do feel like it is a bit of, uh, like, first-world problems. You know, like, we're complaining about Edison. When in comparison, like, I would... You could, you could 
I could give you three wishes to make Edison worse, like add three cards or take away three cards to somehow make Edison worse. And in my mind, it would still be infinitely worse or, or infinitely better. I'm sorry, than advanced than modern. I'd w- way prefer to play Edison even then. Let me make a good. Oh play, yeah. uh, I mean, you can bring here. back five band cards into Edison, and I would still rather play Edison than modern. Modern's it's got a lot of work for it. I every mean, time that's a different podcast for itself, I believe. Yeah, every time that someone it's, ever activates, um, yeah, and it is truly like if there ever were an example of eating an elephant, it is modern format. It was for me to have never played Edison and be completely unacquainted with the card pool to come in and to learn all of this. Like it felt like a job. I mean, unique rulings, etc. I'm still learning it and. Modern, I feel like even if I were very committed and wanted to play modern, um, like with deep conviction, I don't know that I could, man. I don't know that I could. It would take me years to catch up because even if you learn like the current meta, you go to a regional and dude, you're going to run into decks that were good two, three years ago and you're not going to have any idea what it, what they do. And you're going to lose to a deck that you should beat. Because you're playing meta and they're playing off meta. But if you don't know what their deck does, you don't even know the mechanics. You don't know when to hand trap. You don't know when to evenly match. I don't even know if you play that crap in the deck. But um, Can you guys hear yeah, me? Yeah, it's just too much. It's too much to catch up on. And that's one thing I thought about a lot whenever when I was first thinking about coming back. Do I want to play Edison or do I want to play Modern? Because truly deep down, I want to play Modern. But it, the game's so far advanced. I don't feel like going back and learning eight years of Yu-Gi-Oh. Plus, I hear it's so bad these days. You know, you got like a month or so, and then new printings come out. The meta's changed. It's so expensive. And as much as I want to play modern, because I love that rush and that thrill of new stuff, I love the idea of new. And I guess that's the reason Edison is kind of stale to me in a way, because it's not very innovative anymore. Unfortunately, I missed that time frame. I wish I'd have started in early 2020 when it first came back. Okay, guys, so they couldn't hear me for some reason. I have no idea why. I walked away. I had to go to the bathroom really bad. So uh, I ended that call, and I'm going to join back now to see if they can hear me. And I'm sure he's not recording. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Oh, we can so hear you. Okay, I came back in, and I was like, hey, guys, and then like you both kept talking, and I was like, okay, I'll just I'll just shut up then. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just wait. And then I tried to say Welcome something. Welcome <laughs> to the Not Michael Boy podcast. <laughs> I tried to say something again, and then you guys kept talking, and I was like, okay, something's wrong. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I don't know what happened. I didn't change anything. I literally just walked out of the room. Have we been, are we still alive the whole time? Uh, I mean... It's been recording ever since I uh, walked away. So, like, I have everything that, you know, you guys were just talking about. Okay. Awesome, awesome. Well, we uh, basically solved all of the world's problems. Great. Secrets of the universe. Uh, basically laid out a plan for world peace. And um, <clears throat> it all begins with, there's a kind of a, a canon event, if you if you will. Okay. It all begins with the impetus of it all is you making a generous donation to the Edison Club. And by Edison Club, I mean me and Austin of all that you have tomorrow. That'd be pretty good. Every Christmas present. Everything I own. All of it. Every every bit. And this is going caboodle. Okay. All right. Where do I sign? No signature needed. Just drop it off, baby. <laughs> Do you want me to give you my uh, my routing and account numbers and everything too? Yeah, right over the live podcast, if Great. you don't mind. Go Great. Okay, everyone, <laughs> go to CapitalOne.com. I'll give you my login. <laughs> I uh, know, Blake, I did want to say one thing. Oh, I'm sorry, Butcher. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I was going to say because Blake was talking about Edison versus Advanced and how like if you took any three cards and added them to the card pool, it still wouldn't be as bad as playing Advanced format. Every time that someone activates Trap Dust Shoot on me, it is so irritating and so just defeating. But I also have to think about it in terms of like a couple years ago, I was playing 
a completely different game where your opponent's entire goal on turn one was to make five negates backed by a counter trap, backed by a second counter trap, backed by five hand traps. <laughs> when you when you think about it like that, trap dust shoots really not that bad. Yep, I'll take it yep. any day of the week. Yep, for sure. I, I completely agree. I mean, I feel like there's a few other cards. I feel like brain control is kind of sacky. And I mean, I feel like if Dust Shoot and Brain Control would go, that would solve a lot of problems with Edison. People mm-hmm. probably wouldn't claim that it's a Saki format, even though it's not really a Saki format. But people will say, say anything. There's bad in every format, and I feel like Edison has the least bad out of any format, really. I mean, it's it's hard to complain with this two or three cards being Saki. Yeah, okay. I I got a question for you. Sorry to spin us off into uh, Neverland right here, but. I don't know why I thought of this, but I feel like it's a decent thought experiment. Okay, if you were to imagine a fictional character that you believe, I don't know, might be good at Edison, bad at Edison, whatever. Name a fictional character, and what deck would they play? Like a fictional character from a book, a movie, mythology, whatever. Okay, all right. Uh, I want to go last. I'm going to really, I'm going to really come up with a good one here. Blake, I think you should shoot us off then, man. Um, and then you have to act as your fictional character for the rest of the podcast. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't tempt me. Oh, yeah. I can do a decent, um, what's the guy's name? Smeagol. Yeah. Smeagol impersonation. What deck would he play? Uh, I'm not sure, but whatever he would play, he'd put Ring of Magnetism in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone who's like nearly um completely naked and maybe wearing a butt flap for some reason i'm thinking gravekeepers but <laughs> okay. i really don't want to play gravekeepers are we like are we gonna like hard commit to this you know like this we're gonna like no, cos- no, we're gonna cosplay this at the next event yeah i get to wear a butt flap all right captain underpants guys <laughs> yeah, um, come smithers stupid fonts hobbitses just like that the whole time. Or? That was pretty good, actually. Was that yeah. AI generated? No, that's 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 me. a real deal. Tell me something you want me to say. Yeah. Go butcher. Tell oh. him something you want him to say. Oh man, I don't know if I have anything I want you to say. I just thought of what I would. <laughs> My character in the deck. Sorry, y'all go ahead. Luna has something to run some the cell process. There we go. Is that proved it? That proves it. I'm still thinking, Blake. Do you, is that your character, Smeagol? Yeah, I'm just gonna roll with Smeagol. Um, we can circle back around, so this is, we, we can like close close the evening with our uh, fictional character and our soon-to-be cosplay. Um, I went with Smeagol because he's budget. I actually wear less and not more with my cosplay. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Okay, so you want to you want to end with our decision on fictional character? Yeah, let's go with that. We'll give okay. you time to okay. stew on it. Great, great. They'll give me some time. Okay, so um, what was that? I said, let me jot mine down before I forget it. Yeah, I'm gonna write my, as soon as I come up with one. I'm immediately writing it down. <laughs> um, what do you think is the most frustrating part about playing Edison format? It can be a ruling that you don't agree with. It can be a card in the format. It can be literally anything. What What do you think frustrates you the most? I think it's easy to point out a card, or it's easy to point out rulings because there's there's a lot of janky rulings in Edison, and I mean there's a lot of just janky one ofs in Edison. But I think for me as a whole, it's just Edison. Yeah, like me and Blake talked earlier it can literally be just the edison format itself because you know every deck no decks at full support every decks at like half support or on life support so at any given day i mean you can just run a tournament or run play testing and then the next day i mean you're just not playing good at all you draw terrible and you're playing the best you can play with what you draw but with decks being at half support it's just it feels like it's an uphill battle a lot of times it does i mean it's just Play one of the four, what I call the four main decks, and Heroes, Hero Frog, Black Wings, and etc. If you're not playing one of those decks, I mean, I feel like it's an even worse battle. Yeah, I think so. For me, I would say it's a toss-up between the frequency in which you 
draw unplayable hands. Um, and unplayable may not mean that you can't actually make plays. On paper, it might look good. But sometimes cards can be so countered by what your opponent has, like you may make their hand live, right? Like sometimes their hand is very reactive, Heavy Storm, Sirocco, uh, Kaius, you know, Monarchs that have to have cards on the field, etc. And so you may feel like you have a very strong opener, play into it, and you enable their hand, and you just got countered from the from the jump, and um, it wasn't really a game. That can be pretty frustrating. I think also Edison can sometimes reward bad play, um, which for me has been pretty tilting. Like I'll read the board state opponent is representing X. Um, for them to set Y, it would be really, really stupid, really bad. They knew that I had this card in my hand off of Trap Dust Shoot, or they should read that I have this card, and so they would never play into this or that. And and then they do, and it was so bad it was good. <laughs> and um, Yes, that is yeah. so frustrating. Yeah, it can be tilting to lose to players that you feel like are not playing well. Um, I feel like when this, the cap, the ceiling on the format is a little bit higher, you don't run into that as much because one, decks are slightly more consistent and two, boards are more resilient. Like they're not going to be completely undone by a single brain control or a single Caius or, you know, like a single torrential, something like that. And Edison, everything is just so flimsy, so frail that the game can swing on a knife's edge. Yeah, a brain control converted into Caius can actually put you from a winning position to losing in, you know, because they'll just brain con your biggest thing, banish your threat, then run over whatever's left. So it's actually, that's really frustrating when things like that happen. Yeah. Yeah, can be tilting. I've definitely lost games when uh, my opponent was playing very, very poorly. Like, I have to literally just misplaying constantly. And that I normally do not uh, mind losing to players that don't seem to be that good. Like, in fact, it <clears throat> kind of, I don't know. Like, I, in some sense, I'd rather lose to that player. Like, it's good for them to get a good win, like, for them to feel good about themselves. But if they're playing like absolute dog crap, and especially if they're kind of rubbing it in. <laughs> Yes. Man, that that will that'll get to me. Yeah, that can get really frustrating, especially to I think the thing that always um gets to me the most is when I lose to a player that I know doesn't put the amount of like time and effort into the game as I do. I think that's like one of the most defeating things for me. Yep. Yep, for sure. For sure, man. And speaking of, dude, Austin and I have been been on the grind. Been on the grind, dude. So if this upcoming 5K tournament that we're going to have, if we do not perform well at that, I know that he and I both will be pretty pretty upset, pretty devastated. Speaking of the uh, upcoming 5K, if you haven't already liked Big Boy Gaming on Facebook, head on over there now. They are having a 5K cash tournament in Raleigh. Week after next, it's the weekend of uh, the 9th and the 10th of December. First place is going to be getting a giant black rose dragon, and the prizing scales down from there. They also have lots of side events that are be going on. Everything from goat format to Edison format, all the way up to current format. It'll be a really big event, so you definitely want to find that event, check it out, and uh, head on down there. It's going to be at the fairgrounds in Raleigh. Mark that one. Dude, is there a better locals than Big Boy Gaming in, in the U.S.? That place is so insane. If there is, I haven't been to it. I, you know, like, I really like um, Picante and Easy, and so yeah, those are really good. Sorry, I couldn't oh. hear what you said. I don't know, my Siri just came up for some reason. Those are nice <laughs> stores, but the prizing that BBG gives for their tournaments is actually insane. Yeah. Like even to the point of operating at a loss. Yeah. Like they they're just trying to actively grow community. Yep. Yeah. And the uh this five K tournament is guaranteed as well. So, you know, no matter what happens, 
the pricing will stay the same. Yeah, I'm really grateful for those guys. Yeah, me too. Diego is a really good dude. Is is Butcher still here? Did he get off? No, I'm still here. Okay, all right. You've been quiet there for a second. Uh, so something I do want to talk about here for a second is Blake has been to a few events with us since he's made his Yu-Gi-Oh return, but Butcher has only been to one event with us so far, and that was YCS Richmond, the Ultimate Time Wizard. Austin, do you kind of want to tell us a little bit about your first event on returning to Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah, man, it was a world of emotions. Honestly, it felt good to be back in an event. Um, and I've only been playing for like, what, two months now, I think? Maybe maybe three? Um, so unfortunately, there ain't been a lot of events. And the last two, I just wasn't able to go to because it's the holidays. But uh, it felt good, man. Uh, I felt confident going into that event, even though I think I only had like a month and a half of playtesting. Uh, I feel like I was super prepared, I thought, in my mind. Um, I started off today pretty good. Uh, I remember starting off 2-0. and I won like round one against uh, Hero Beat, round one two against Hero Beat, and you know I was I was feeling good. I was like, dang man, I wish I'd have started back a long time ago. Right. And then round three was kind of the reality check, I guess. I sat down against a really good, well-known player in uh, Prescott. You know, game one was really tight. I misplayed, and I could have beat him that game, but I misplayed, and he beat me. Game two, once again, kind of super tight, back and forth. And I got him game two, so we went to game three, and I feel like that's when it all just down, this went downhill for me. I think the, uh, what I call the Edison meme just kicked in, and then you just started drawing bad. I remember rubbing up two Blizzard, two Crow, thinking, man, there, there's just no way I was going to win this. And I didn't. I mean, he just blew me out of the water game three. It wasn't, it wasn't even close. Nothing you could do. It's just like whenever you draw your wieners and black wings, it's, it's, it's so hard, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and I remember. I won my next game, and then I lost two in a row. One was to Light Sworn, Cold Wave, and another one was to the Mirror Match. Well, no, no, sorry, Bayou. He was playing Bayou. He went the Mirror Match. I thought he was playing the Mirror Match for some reason that day. I even wrote it down in my notes because the way game one went, it felt like the Mirror Match. Um, he just didn't up and up really good. But he ended up beating me game three, and then I won like my last two, I think, and finished X3, which really wasn't that good. Uh, for that tournament because it was only top eight even though after they promised top 16 yeah that was uh, so that was garbage yeah so i finished 40th place so i, I was a little disappointed because i felt like i was ready for the event but it, it was kind of a reality check probably something i needed to because i'm a very confident player like I, i'm not cocky by no means i just i play confident and i feel like that goes a long way He's like you got to be confident in this game um so it was a good reality check. I know a lot of things I need to improve on, and I didn't know the format as good as I thought I did because uh, I was going back to the 2010 Edison days of trying to play like that, sync like that, and the game has just progressed. I mean, it's like a 180 from back then. I mean, people don't play the same. There's so many different techs now. Side decking is completely different. I mean, even the decks are completely different. I mean, I didn't play a single, like, quick draw or gladiator beast or gadgets or anything i mean i played four decks on the day and what i consider to be the four best decks of the format in blackwing value hero and hero frogs um but overall it was really fun really successful event i feel like for playtesting and you know you top aided so that was awesome glad i was there for that and yeah. you kind of you kind of motivated me i mean you you inspired me to want to do better because it's like our play group has like really progressed since when I left in 2015. Um, I don't know if any of us back then would have really top eight an event like this. Yeah, things are definitely a lot different. Actually, I think that things are a lot different from how they were even just a year ago. I started off at every Edison tournament I went to. I don't remember which tournament it was I went to that I finally won a game. <laughs> but... It wasn't like my first through my third. I got straight 2 0 every round for like my first two or three tournaments, if not more. That's that's very defeating. So for you to come back after such a long break and play in a format that's really starting to get refined as Edison is, even going X3, I actually think that that's an accomplishment versus like had it been me, you know, a year and a half ago coming into where you are there's the possibility I could have went like X8 or X9 
So I was still very proud of you for your finishing record at Richmond. Well, hey, I really appreciate that. Uh, you actually encouraged me to keep going because you told me I, I didn't need to drop no matter what. Because it's something I kind of considered, but really wasn't going to do it because I told you even I needed to play test them, but you kind of just reassured me once I got to my third loss just to keep going. Yeah, it's it's always worth it, you know, to just get the experience in, get the playing in, and, you know, you could be X2, X3 and still play against a good player who's also just having, you know, a bad day as well. So I always just say, you know, you're already there. You might as well just make the most of it. And then also, too, at these Konami events, these Ultimate Time Wizard events, if you drop, they actually don't give you your tickets that you get for wins. That was another reason I didn't want you to drop. Either. Yeah, the, the ticket thing's kind of cool. That was just not a thing back in the day. So I, I really give props to Konami for the tickets. Um, I really hope that they build on that type of stuff and go even further with it. I mean, it was kind of nice being able to sell my tickets at the end of the event and make, you know, triple my money back Yeah. for my entry and everything. So that, that's just kind of nice. That is. That is very nice. So... Um... Moving back over to Blake, I know that obviously you haven't been playing for a long time again, same as Butcher. And what do you feel like your your best accomplishment that you've had so far has been? It can be you found a card that you didn't think anyone else would be playing. It can be how you did at a tournament. It can be some idea you had. Anything like that. How do you? What do you feel like your best accomplishment or that you've had so far? <clears throat> Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't think I have any accomplishments. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like I don't know, whatever, but I, truth be told, I came back and I felt like my initial experiences were similar to Austin's. I didn't start at the you know at a YCS, but pretty much every event I played up until the Nationals Ultimate Time Wizard, I I wasn't really practicing like. Occasionally, we would have kind of a Yugi night over at my place where we'd play on Friday nights, and that was really casual. Um, but I was not actively practicing. And I, I guess I just kind of assumed that things would just go like they did in the past, and eventually I would kind of become one of the better players. Um, but that was not happening. And so I just kept bubbling all of the events, um, like kind of like – you know, 40th, what Austin was describing. I think I got something very similar at Nats. Um, and yeah, I don't know. So since Nationals, I have tried. And um, I've swapped decks a lot, which hasn't been good for me. And I've started topping, like, I don't know. Like, I topped 16, that 2K thingy that we went to. And um, I topped that Switch tournament that. We went to and i haven't played it a ton of events apart from that but i really don't consider those things achievements or accomplishments <clears throat> um i don't know man i i do think that i think about the game well and i predict meta pretty well um i'm actually not gonna leak a ton of the spice but well i'll say this like the icarus rise of stuff you guys know that i was talking about that with Vayu yeah forever um even like the Crystal Seer stuff in Hero Beat and James Ark has talked about that. Been talking about that forever. Like there's so many things that I feel like I I feel like I'm a much better deck builder than I am player. And usually I'm pretty good at predicting meta and and putting together um, decent answers to the meta. But I don't know, man. I th I'd like to think that my achievement is ahead of me. And I definitely am hungry to the point that it might even be a little bit unhealthy. Um, probably, I, I'm not a DB grinder. Like I don't just log on and play. But uh, every day I, I do something with Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, play with Awesome. Play with Mayberry, Michael Gammons. Um, and that's not normative for me, you know. Married, have kids, so I really want to do well at this 5K. Yeah, I feel like where you've started, you know, like you mentioned those few accomplishments that you've had so far, like the top 16 at a 2K, the top 8 at a Switch tournament, I think that those are like like the building blocks that will, you know, lead you on to the victory. 
also, um, one thing I wanted to point out that I that you did think of before anyone else, or seemingly before anyone else, because you were the first one to point it out, was the whole instant fusion in zombies thing. And yeah. that really caught on because when you told me, like, oh, instant fusion, musician king, you know, like Deep Sea Diva, make Arcanite magician, that was really good. And that was when. You know, I think you told me that you felt like Instant Fusion was definitely underplayed in the format. And then people kind of, I think you may have mentioned this one too. I'm pretty sure you did, but people kind of expanded that, took that, and like started using like Reaper on the Nightmare, who's actually a really insane card for zombies because you can bring it back and it's a real card. So I always thought that was pretty cool that in my book, you were the first person I saw come up with that. Yeah, it's still dramatically like underplayed. It, I think it ought to be a staple in Diva Hero and uh, Hero Frogs. I think it's a one of in Hero Frogs for sure. I mean, that card combos with half of your deck. It combos with three Substitute. It combos with every single Tribute Monster. It combos with three Miracle Fusion. Like, it enables your deck. There's no reason not to play that. And especially game one, when you're less likely to run into Royal Oppression than you are in games two and three. No reason not to play that card. I, I think people are totally sleeping on it, at least as a one of, and and a lot of decks, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you uh, if you could take any card in the card pool past Edison all the way up to current, and put it in Edison at three, what card would you put? And I always ask people this, but I always put the stipulation of it as being it has to be a card type that exists within the format. So you couldn't take an XYZ or a pendulum card or anything like that. So like a spell trap monster, like what, what in your opinion would you put into the format? Hmm. I'll tell you something that I miss. And obviously modern is like this to the extreme. Uh, I think there's a healthy balance. I think even dragon rulers was too much of this, but I miss established boards. Um, so I, I think I would want some sort of synchro that is challenging to, to break some sort of board combo. I mean, I know you can have stuff like Stardust and Skill Drain, right? Like that's something, but that's very rare. Like decks that can support Skill Drain and summon Stardust, none of them really do it super well, to be honest. I mean, uh, none with like great consistency. Skill Drain hits all of those decks. So, I don't know. Something like that. I'm not sure what that card would be, though. I'll uh, I'll give an example here of mine, and then Butcher can give his. If I could put any card from the current card pool into Edison at three, I think I would pick Lance. Yeah, but then you just, like, the format becomes too fast. Do you not think? Like, you just lose back row. You're playing Black Wings with Nobleman of Extermination, and it's just as fast as you can possibly make it. Dragon Turbo becomes even better, which is the most toxic deck in the format. I don't know. Thoughts? I don't know. I, it's kind of hard for me to theory with a card like Lance. Like I think at face value, the card just kind of gives your deck like some kind of insulation to like actually be able to resolve your summons through stuff like Bottomless without having to play cards that actually aren't super great, like my body is a shield, like all the rulings on my body where you can't use it in the damage step and stuff. But it could very well be a case of when you add Lance to the format, it actually does just create too much. Like, I can summon this big guy, use priority, and you can't do anything. So that's that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Blake. No, no, no. You go. Go for it. I think it pushes Black Wings too far. Like, I almost feel like it's not tier zero. But maybe a tier and a half. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine having up Lance, Whirlwind, and any Blackwing monster. I mean, you're not scared of anything. You're literally unfazed by anything. The one thing Even about that that would stink, though, is if you think about it, if you summon, if you go Whirlwind, Shura, and they Bottomus, and you chain Lance, all you can search for is Vayu. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, but, I, mean, but I, I know what you're. I see what you're getting at judgment and okay but as a blackwing player i love when somebody judges me like it's the best feeling because you're you're now on the timer 
But I mean, I see what you're saying about the whole Lance thing. Yeah. But but still, being able to have your stuff on the board a lot of times anyway, like as a Blackwing player, it's not necessarily my whirlwind getting off as much as I don't want my guy to get banished. My level fours. Anytime my level fours are getting constantly banished, it, it's such a grind and so hard. Like, because half your cards are almost dead now. Like, your blizzards don't matter most of the time. Losing so having your, a land yeah. black wings, I feel like this pushes them a step higher than, than every other deck, just about. Um, and I mean, there's other decks that's going to benefit from this, obviously. Um, you know, Hero Frog is going to really, you know, use that card. Dragon Turbos are going to use that card. But every other deck, it's not going to matter as much as it does in three decks, I feel like. Because a lot think? of decks are just tight on space. Oh, sorry. Good. You're good. What do you think that you would add to the format if you could add any card? I want a, a form of effect negation. My, my favorite card of all time is Rescue Rabbit, and it has nowhere in this format. Even if it, the card was at three, you couldn't play it because it, it doesn't do anything. Because there's no exceeds and there's no two level threes you could grab that are vanillas, that are tuners that you could use. Um, so I think some form of good effect negation, like a breakthrough skill, would be kind of kind of good. Because um, I know we got Phoenix Chain and it's not really played, but I think breakthrough skill would have a little bit more play in the format. Because there's a lot of times that you know you want to negate stuff during your opponent's turn that you just can't. Like I mean, breakthrough skill can only go or Phoenix Chain can only go so far. Where breakthrough skill could get a little bit more push in a lot of games. Um, I don't want anything like groundbreaking because I was thinking about synchros that would be good, but you don't really want a quasar running around. You don't really want a, a crimson blade running around. I feel like because um, synchro decks would just abuse it, and a lot of decks would get left even further behind. Crimson blader would actually be really insane. That card would be, oh my gosh, that card would oh, be crazy. Yeah. Even just adding something like Trishula to the format would also be crazy. Oh yeah, I feel like that if Crimson Blader became a, a card, I feel like zombies would just be insane. Like, cause they can make level eights like nothing. Yeah, you know, it's a little harder for Black Wings to make a level eight. They can do it, but it's a little bit more challenging uh, for that deck. But Crimson Blader would just be insane. I think. I mean, this is a common answer, but I think something like Strap Dragging would be cool. I I just don't think that the Synchro Pool has enough proactive monsters to pull from um and yeah they just need more activity. and ideally i i kind of am with you austin i i'd ideally like something that presents some sort of not omni negate of course but um you know something that some sort of interruption some form of interruption like fiendish chain sucks right and and chalice really is only good in certain decks so i i'd want something that kind of feels that niche yeah yeah so we're at 48 minutes and i usually run these for about an hour so i think we can take the last 12 minutes of this and talk about our characters so butcher do you want to go first or do you want me to go first uh either way man you you call it okay uh i can go first it's fine so for my character to play Edison format, I have Austin Powers. Oh my god! And I feel like Austin Powers would definitely be a Dragon Turbo player. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I feel like he'd be like, "Yeah, baby, yeah, trade in, discard blue eyes, <laughs> groovy." <laughs> Bro, okay. I'm going to the card pool. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put some brain power into this one. Um, in it, give it, give us like a spicy Austin Powers tech. Like, what might, what might he do in uh, a Dragon Turbo deck that is a bit off cuff? Not, not the normative build. Not your Mama's Ghost Rider build. We're so there is a something card. Else. I I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's something along the lines of gamble or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you flip a dice yeah. or you flip a coin. Up. And if your opponent has five or more cards, if you call it right, if you're at two or cards less, you can draw five cards. I feel like that would be something he would do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Shackadelic, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Time to start reaching or searching and like the card pull for random, uh, like inappropriate, uh, 
was uh, my brain is just like freezing up. Inappropriate terms, some sort of Austin Powers type linga. <laughs> I uh, I was just <laughs> thinking, I was like, what's the funniest person to play Yu-Gi-Oh that I could think of? And I was just like, it's definitely Austin Powers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking here. I'm trying to find something that would work for Austin Powers, but is there is there's got to be like a hippie card or something? Come on. <laughs> I'm looking up hippie, but I'm just finding hippos. All right, Butcher, hit us with yours. We got oh, Austin Power playing Dragon Turbo. Dude, mine's Rick Grimes, man, playing zombies. Rick Grimes. Um, <laughs> that, that <laughs> Come on now. Who would be a better zombie player than Rick Grom? That's true. Um, That's true. We don't kill the living. <laughs> Dude, every, every time your opponent drops like brain control near you, you're just like, Carl! Carl! <laughs> Drink Carl! He's nobody's business. I mean, he'd break the game. <laughs> oh, man. That, I felt like Smeagol was going to play zombies. Now that was a really do? good one, actually. Oh man, I'm a big Walking Dead fan, so that one just like instantly kicked in. Bro, I guess I I gotta be Smeagol, but I'm playing freaking fiends. Yeah. The worst thing in the format. <laughs> uh, we're definitely playing fiend comedian. Um, yeah, you definitely play fiend, fiend comedian. Yeah, that thing's going in there. And what's that thing that like tutors its stealth? The level one tuner. Dark mimic. That is no, it. no, um, Stygian. Stygian security. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Meagle with wings. That kid. Yeah, that is. I have one simple request: that is to have dragons with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow! So no, we, more... Go ahead, go ahead. Let's hear it. If y'all could play one more format. And it can't be hat or tingu. What, what would y'all pick if you could bring back any format and people just play it? Because I feel like the most common answers is always Edison, hat, and tingu. Everybody wants them, but I feel like there's so many more beloved formats that are just unexplored. 2015 uh, Duelist Alliance. That was a great format. 2015. Fall 2014. Yeah. 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 They were super strong. Though I feel like towards the end of it, Shadal was a little too strong. Like Super Poly was just, it was just a little too broken. Um, Super Poly plus Winda is too much. Yeah, that is true. I do think that uh, Necroz was pretty good too. Like everyone thought that Necroz was. Better than I, I don't know. Maybe it actually is that good, and the only reason it didn't win that Nats is because people overplayed for the mirror match, like Patrick Hoban freaking building to make Naturia Beast uh, for with Necros. So maybe maybe it actually is just head and shoulders above every deck. Also, the negative with that format is <clears throat> Cleefort, Cleefort, Austin Butcher, Cleefort. Yeah, Cleefort. <laughs> so, Cleefort. Uh, by the, by the way. The if you uh, if you attended, <laughs> if you attended oh, no. twenty. I'm gonna wrap my man out. <laughs> if you attended twenty fifteen nationals, and you played against a man in top cut playing Cleefort, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't unsubscribe. That, Please don't unsubscribe. If you, uh... I got the. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, Blake, what, what about you, man? What format would you want back? Uh, can I cheat and make up my own crap? Make up your own format? So it's not really like, Void, we've talked about this. And actually, I think Austin, I talked about this a little bit with you as well. I'd like some sort of Champions League where we do our best to pick relatively powered decks at a point in which they're most similar in, in power level, right? Like, and they're, they're ideally beloved decks. So obviously you'd have to pick a small window of time because you go too many years and even the worst decks of 2019 are going to be better than the best decks of 2013. Right. Um, 
So small window of time, like a two, three year window max. Pick maybe eight decks and then with a group of friends, have these decks built and kind of have a running ban list in which you, you do these tournaments every week and the deck that wins gets some sort of nerf. It's also just Russian roulette, which deck you get each week. So we kind of like as a council, if something gets banned, I don't know, like Necros is in there and Jen gets banned first week or something, right? <laughs> um, you obviously have to replace some cards in your deck. So maybe we just say the person who won with Necros gets to replace them. Like they get to choose. The person who won the with Necros gets banned. <laughs> they, they're voted <laughs> off the island. Voted off by the voted island. off the island, I mean Hunger Games, their throats are slit. Yeah. Wait, no, just kidding. Even if Jen is banned, can I still can I take it out and slide another one in? Yeah, handshake, handshake on it. Great, <laughs> great. Agree to side out vanity's empty. Yo, if if Butcher is Bandit Keith, what is Patrick Hoban? That's the real Bandit Keith, y'all. Come on, now. <laughs> he's the bandiest of all Keiths. Yeah, dude, I got a. Oh, sorry, God, Oh, I was just gonna say that that man, like, he he's just the original Bandit Keith. That guy was just like, sure, I'll agree to side out. A, in as I side in my other <laughs> literally anything to get a competitive edge. He would like spit on his mama or something. I don't know. <laughs> he would have done Guys, that think... to his own mother. Yeah. Okay, okay. mom. Look, here's my gin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What were you about to say, Austin? I think it's two formats for me, honestly. Uh, I just want to touch up on the first one because I think it's a very underexplored format and one that people forget about. And I call it Edison 2.0 format. And it's uh, it's actually Meadowlands format. And a lot of people forget about this format, but it's right before Dragon Rulers came out. And it's at a time where Murmur was wasn't at full power. Fire Fist was just coming out. And you look at the Meadowlands top 32, and there's like 16 plus different decks. It's anywhere from Mermails that won it to Firefish Rabbit in top four, all the way down to Wind Up in top eight, Dino Fist, Infernities, Insectors, A Hero Lives, Evil Swarm, Ten Gadgets, Synchro Infernities. Patrick Hoban was playing that, by the way. Um, Constellars, Chain Beat. I mean, there were so many decks. There were 16 plus decks that topped this event, and in top 32 alone. Um, so there was nothing that was just like a clear tier zero. Like Mermaids was obviously probably the best deck, but Firefist was right behind it. You know, uh, there was a good anti-meta control deck in Evil Swarm. Um, another kind of anti-meta deck, or not, not really anti-meta, but control deck in Infernities. Uh, Windups, you know, the OTK was not really there, but they could still kind of go off because Magician was at one. Um, just a very unexplored format, and it didn't last long because right around the corners was Dragon Rulers. And, you know, even Spellbooks was in that format, too, I forgot, uh, without judgment. So a very balanced format. I actually Nothing was forgot like about that format. A lot of people do whenever I talk about it, but a lot of people just don't remember it. Uh, and it was a very, very short-lived but really fun format um, because nothing was just groundbreaking. You know, there was good side deck cards for the Mermel matchup. Um, you could play your beloved decks because people, you know, there's a lot of beloved decks from that format. People love... Spellbooks. People love Mermails. People love Firefist. You know, the the hardcore players that love Insectors and Windups can play it. The control players that love Eel Swarm can play it. The Infernity players can play. And really, you can build anything. You can build Hero decks. You could build Dark World decks. There's so much that could top that didn't top that event. You could build Lightsworn. Wink, wink. You could. You could build Lightsworn. That, that's the thing. Uh, very yeah. unexplored. But also, another format, and this was kind of going off of what Blake said. Me and him talked about this, but I was kind of the opposite of it. My idea is you pick a format, or you pick a, a point in the game's history, and you, you think about when it changed the most. And for me, it's always 2014 Duelist Alliance is when the game broke and became too fast for the older decks to compete. So my thought process was always like to go to 2014 Nats, and you look at that ban list, and you don't do what Konami does, because Konami is all about their money. You know, back then they only done cards that benefited for them to make money. So you do it for the players this time, and you try to find out what you could bring off the ban list to make more decks viable. Like Unbanned and Stratos. Sangan could obviously be at three, even though it's at one. Uh, this 
bringing back everything you possibly could to help the older decks and find that smooth point of where there could be 20 to 30 plus decks that are viable while also going ahead and hitting the decks that are like you know hat was obviously really good at the time infernities was really good in gear gear bringing them down just a notch to where everybody could play their fan favorite decks people that love light sworn could play it people that yeah. love donna rabbit play it everybody could play their fan favorite deck and there's nothing that's too powerful and i don't know why this hasn't caught on or why nobody will do this but it would be even better than any single format and it would take a lot of time to to do this like a lot of ban lists would have to come out and a lot of good people in, would have to be in charge of this because it wouldn't need this one or two ban lists to fix it it would probably be like 10 plus ban lists to finally figure out that sweet spot but that way everybody could play and people aren't just miserable you know like me edison's fun but it ain't my format i don't like edison because there's no like favorite decks i like blackwing but it's been played so much to where i just don't really care for it but it's still like the deck that i play I want to take a quick second here before we get out of here and talk about the one notable time in my life that I proved Blake wrong on something. <laughs> and this this is back in 2014 when Duelist Alliance came out because we knew that we were getting um, Shadals. We knew that we were getting um, everything else that we got out of that set, Yang Zing. And everyone said, you know, everyone felt like Shadal was like the best deck or going to be the best deck. And then I saw like the BA cards come out, which was Dante, Seer, Graf, and Skarm. I think that was the first wave. I read these cards and I was like, these cards are insane. These cards are, are stupid. And I'm trying to convince Blake on this for weeks. I'm, I'm working at this man for weeks. And I have no credibility because I played Noble Knights up to that point in the game. So, I mean, I can't blame him, honestly. <laughs> not, not one of my better ideas. But eventually, we actually got into the tank of testing it. And then I think we kind of like clicked at the same time when it was just like, yeah, this is actually like the best deck. Yeah, I think it benefited from the meta a little bit. Like, <clears throat> I think that if you just freeze Duelist Alliance in time, it's never the best deck. Like, Shadal is always best just because of. Shadow Fusion. Shadow Fusion. And it, yeah, like, and it was so hard for Burning Abyss to create pressure. I mean, they could grind, but it was so hard at the time for them to create uh, a threat to your life points with just Dante. Yeah. I don't even think Fire Lake was out, was it? No, I don't. They got yeah. uh, the Monster Reborn trap, the Traveler and the Burning Abyss out of the first set as well, but no one really yeah. played that card. I don't think anyone really played that card throughout the history of the deck other than maybe a one. Yeah. It was it was like even I think at Nats that year, even though they, you know, I think got like first and second. Um, I felt like they really benefited from the meta. Like Shadal was so underplayed because Shadal so bad into Necros. Yeah. The whole point of the deck is you can you can fusion summon for free the moment that they special summon from the extra deck. And Necros didn't have to do that. They, the whole point was they didn't do that. They summoned Unicorn, Colossus, they Genlock, you know, whatever. Um, and so Shadal was just straight up bad in the meta, and that really aided BA. And it's just, you're right in that it is an unbelievably resilient deck and even splashable. Um, the carbs are just super flexible. Uh, like they would have a field day in Edison, you know, no such thing as missing timing, like just yeah. absolutely insane. And certainly one of the coolest things that, that Konami ever did, like building this archetype off of Dante's uh, tripartite literature, you know, Inferno. I don't remember what it is in Italian purgatory and Paradiso, the paradise. So really, really cool archetype, certainly beloved. And yeah, you were you were a fan of it before I was for sure. I yeah. was too infatuated with the purple cards. Light Sworn is just burning abyss at home, honestly. That deck was just so slept on too, though, is the thing. I mean, kind of like what you're saying at the beginning. I mean, it took till 2015 Nats for people to realize that it was the best deck. I remember when Dante's dropped, they were $20 a piece. And I bought both of mine. Because at the time, you thought you'd only play two. 
And then once the deck actually started getting some traction, those things went up to like a hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, it just didn't have like a threat in the beginning. I mean, what you did, you you played the engine, you played Dante, and then you played Vanity Sphine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Magic Sphine. Like that's all you really had. You had to tribute something. You didn't. You couldn't do pressure. I think I even remember like the primitive build. Some of them played Pius. You played like the rank up Magic spell that could rank up by two, so you could make like Pleiades. Yeah, that was like their interactive. Downered. Yeah, downered. Yeah, that was. I uh, always tell people that like Crystal Beast is like my favorite deck that like never got to be good, but Burning Abyss is like my favorite deck actually because that was just such a fun time in Yu-Gi-Oh's history. I feel like. Yeah. Other yeah, than it really uh, other than Cleveport, I, I do oh, think man. that probably like was peakish Yu-Gi-Oh because people were had a lot of fun off of hat format they were really excited for duelist alliance cards were power creeping but not in a way that like you could still play the hat decks kind of like the decks that didn't get hit from that format i remember i played madolce during that fall format and it, it wasn't great but you know you could win like yeah. so it was still a thing um <clears throat> the ban list changed a few things i think like emergency teleport cycled back in or it got bumped up to two or something so you can make Naturia Beast in Medulce and you know just things like that. Max C was it banned? No, you had Max C throughout I see three. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good, you know, against things like BA. Um so it, I don't know. It wasn't like a super one sided you can only play Evil Swarm, Dragon Rulers or Spellbooks. Or Mermel, I guess. Kinda kinda format. Hey guys, well, about an hour and six minutes here, so I guess we're going to get ready to get out of here. I want to thank both of you guys for uh, sitting down and just kind of chit-chatting tonight, talking about the format, talking about all of our experiences that we've had throughout the game together. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a good time. I'm sure we have a lot more coming up, too. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you happen to see a guy in a butt flap speaking like Smeagol across from you, Expect fiends. Just giving you a heads up. Coming to an event near you. That is true. That is true. If you happen to see Austin Powers playing Dragon Turbo at the 5K, just oh, behave, baby, behave. <laughs> <laughs> You're not missing no. anything, believe me. <laughs> and if a guy shoots you with a revolver, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> and someone's goblins on me. <laughs> 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 I'm still blown away about how good that was. Like I didn't even think about that. Yeah, oh, you win. Yeah, you you honestly you win. win. I th I have to say I thought I won with Austin Powers. I thought that was pretty unbeatable. But yeah, I think you get to be uh, the character king of this episode. Oh man, might have to do it now. Pull off some red grounds, baby. <laughs> Just don't bathe for like you know the next <laughs> weeks before the five k and just. Come up in a sweat and yeah. Oh, I'm sure my wife would love that. <laughs> <laughs> she has it's like, what are you doing? And you're just like, it's all about the character. <laughs> oh man. Okay, well, guys. Boy, I really all then. Yeah. GG's lads. All right, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for joining me. Yep. God bless. See you guys. Have a good night. See you guys. See you, man.